0: This is the Social Strategy Podcast, episode number 14. Welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast, where it's all about making the most of your business with smart tips on what's working now in social media, online business, and good old fashioned networking. And now, your host, who's also known as Ross PR on Twitter, Vernon Ross. Hey, this is Vernon Ross, and welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast, bringing you the best of online business, social media, and good old-fashioned network. Have you guys ever heard of the Suitcase Entrepreneur? She's an entrepreneur that pretty much lives out of one suitcase, and she carries a laptop. And she also runs a six-figure business from her suitcase in several countries All over the world as she travels the world being pretty much a world citizen. She holds citizenship in three countries, Canada, New Zealand, and the UK. I mean, which is just awesome. She can be pretty much anywhere. You guys have got to listen to this interview with Natalie Sisson. I had a blast talking to her and I should be seeing Natalie later on in the year. Um, Here in the the States She's going to be here in the States So without further delay I really want to get into the episode You guys are going to really enjoy this And take home some great lessons from Natalie So I will see you guys on the back end Hey everyone, this is Verna Boston, and welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast. Today I've got a very special guest. She is coming to us from a very, very far distance. And Natalie, where are you at?
1: Not that far away. I'm in Auckland, New Zealand. It's like an 11-hour flight from LA. It's like another day there. It's Monday. <laughs> it's like Monday night we're here. We're, yeah. sure we're a day ahead. we're a day ahead. So
0: what are, what are the lottery numbers tomorrow? <laughs> Has anyone ever asked you that? It's like the future. Well, the thing
1: is, it would be your lottery, wouldn't it? Not my lottery. So, yeah, I probably couldn't help you out on that. (laughs) I
0: I thought it was like the future. (laughs) (laughs) So you had a really interesting article come out here recently in Yahoo.
1: Yes. You know, the comments were really interesting um, because apparently Yahoo commenters are known for being not the loveliest people in the world and maybe not always the most diplomatic and so there was just a bunch of interesting things and in they like people going awesome hats off to her I'd give my kids up in a minute and go and do this and then there were <laughs> you know which is great right and then there were a bunch of people who were like oh she just sounds like she stays with her friends all the time because they, they edited out a little bit of the episode where I talked about how I rent hotels or I rent on Airbnb or I find houses and it kind of made it sound like I just you know stay with my friends <laughs> and uh, they're like she's like a a professional moocher. And I was like, I kind of like that name <laughs> as a new blog post, maybe. Um, but it was just fascinating to see how people really pushed back and some people embraced and some people were just like, this is impossible. Who does she think she is? Blah, blah, So it was it was really interesting to me because it really made me realize there's a lot more for people to learn and that people almost talk about you as if you're not even there. Like, who is this lady and what is she doing? Um, right. And just that, yeah, there's a lot more education to go and People, I think, naturally push back at something that seems foreign to them. And for a lot of people, not having a home base and, and living out of your suitcase or just choosing not to be in one place and travel all the time and run a business seems pretty far-fetched to them.
0: Yeah, you know, the um, the funny thing about you is that you, you like a lot of people, you got your start in corporate not corporate America, but in just in the corporate machine, so to say, what did you actually do for a living? What did you used to do?
1: I was, well, I started out as a candidate consultant and recruitment when I got out of university and essentially interviewing people. And then I got into like a basic level marketing, overall marketing function, and just worked my way up really into marketing coordination, brand management, product management, communications, event management, through into business development. So I kept leapfrogging. I was quite good at interviewing and punching above my weight, um, always thinking that I thought I could do that job and and managed to get it. So, yeah, I really just worked my way up through FMCG, so fast-moving consumer goods, non-profit associations, apprenticeships, uh, lottery commissions, into pharmaceuticals. So pretty oh, wow. pretty broad-ranging, really.
0: Yeah, really, I would say. So what was the turning point? When did you get to that point where you just said, you know what, I've had enough of it, can't do it anymore? Because I think a lot of people will identify with maybe not the travel portion of what you do and how you run your business, at least not initially, but just getting to know you. What was that point where you're just like, you know what, I'm done?
1: Uh, It was exactly I know the moment. I was working in London for um, the British Medical Association, and I was in this role that looked amazing on paper, but in practice, I was just fundamentally banging my head up against a brick wall. I was brought in to show doctors how to become entrepreneurs almost by tapping into the health system opportunities that they had and I was basically there to create business development programs for them to learn how to do this and I got blocked. It felt like at every single point of my job that I was brought in to build a team and do this. um, It just felt like the very people who hired me were stopping me and I just, I woke up a few too many mornings thinking, you know what? I don't want to go to work today, which is so rare for me. So rare. Like normally I love what I'm doing and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to commute. I don't want to be part of this. And so I, <laughs> they gave me a promotion and a pay rise and I quit and I headed off to Vancouver, Canada to play some ultimate Frisbee.
0: <laughs> now, I mean, what prompted you to do that?
1: To quit or to play Ultimate Frisbee? Go play, to,
0: to go to Canada to go play Ultimate Frisbee. Well, That's it just... literally
1: was that. There were two reasons. One, I'd never been to Canada. I'd heard a lot about it and I wanted to travel. I'd been to the U.S. a bunch but not to Canada. Two, I made it to the New Zealand women's team to play at the World Championships and those were based in Vancouver, Canada. So I just thought it was a great time. It was like a sign to go and do that.
0: Oh, Nice. So you were playing basically your extracurricular activities after work were ultimate Frisbee.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Absolutely loved it. It is actually a sport, despite what people think. It's played by over a million people around the world, and it's probably one of the most physically challenging sports I've played. You're running, you're jumping, you're leaping, you're laying out, you're sprinting, um, and you do all that for like an hour and a half on a large field, a bit like American football. So, yeah, it had become my passion, and it allowed me to stay fit and – build a great community and meet some excellent people and it's actually continued to allow me to do that around the world I often stay with complete strangers who are Ultimate Frisbee players when I'm being a professional moocher <laughs> and uh, it's amazing like it really allows you to just join up with teams and play in competitions around the world.
0: Nice. Yeah my uh, my nephew's in college and he's actually doing Ultimate Frisbee so you're now the second person I know <laughs> that plays Ultimate Frisbee
1: Oh really? Awesome. Two people
0: Yeah. He, um, it was funny he separated his shoulder playing and we were like how did you do that and he goes oh i was playing frisbee like what kind of frisbee were you playing where you separate a shoulder?" and he goes oh ultimate frisbee I'm like yeah oh, okay yeah that it's, explains get it
1: pretty violent it's yeah it's amazing especially when you lay out wrong
0: right right so now looking into your background there are some interesting pictures of you online
1: oh the cricket, <laughs> the cricket. <laughs> you found that photo huh oh yeah i thought that um might have gone down the google ranking so uh, in 2007 i I dragon boated, which is, I don't know if you know what dragon boating is, but you're in sort of a long rowboat, dragon boated across the English Channel from England to France and did that with a group of amazing ladies called the Sisterhood. We had Kate Middleton, the future queen of England, join us for a few trainings, which was great for publicity and getting sponsorship for some children's charities. But as part of raising sponsorship money and and trying to raise money for these charities, we also did something called The Art of Sport. And it was a calendar where we were all naked aside from body painting in the sport with the professional sports person in the picture and we were actually doing the sport. So it was very, very tastefully done. Um, But the photo that you get to see, unfortunately or fortunately, was taken (laughs) on a cold day in England and it was part of the promotion to see if um, the Daily Mail or a, a suitable tacky newspaper in the uk because i think the media in uk are terrible overall uh would pick it up and run with it so that we could actually get some some media attention and raise more money
0: Right. I think you are in that photo with um, Emma somebody that I, I – yes. I don't remember her last name. But, yeah, it was a while back I saw that. I'm like, oh, I, I think I'll have to ask her about that. <laughs> and it's it's not actually up there that far in the rankings. I just dug quite a bit.
1: It was like, it's no. not. It used to be, though. And when I started my job at the British Medical Association, it was the first picture that came up when you Googled it. So <laughs> it wasn't ideal when I was going for my interview. I didn't think that hey. –
0: well, I won't help it in the rankings. And I'm not, I'm not going to link to that one. The show notes. If you're, you're curious about it, you'll have to find it. Now, but you also did like uh, like fitness competitions as well, right?
1: Yeah, I did. Um God, it's 10 years ago now, a decade ago, but I did a, a body sculpting competition. Not like bodybuilding. You get very mm-hmm. lean, you eat a lot of chicken and broccoli, you get very muscular, but you still look like a woman. Um, and so I did that just for a, a big-ass challenge and ended up winning the competition. But it was probably nine of the hardest months of training and discipline with food of my life. And it was pretty incredible to see your body just change shape completely. And I had like an eight-pack and all these good things. And for my troubles, I got a tacky trophy and. Um, this title. So it was pretty cool.
0: No, that's awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, your business, you've got several things that you do, several streams of income. And I, I kind of want to break down a little bit of how you've built the different things that you do. Can we start with your coaching business? Because I think a lot of people hear about coaching. They don't really understand what coaching is. I do a little bit of coaching, but in trying to explain it to people, and what you actually do it can be a little difficult so i really would love to hear your spin on coaching cuz i think you approach it a little bit differently than I've seen just about anybody else do it.
1: Oh, really? That's good to hear. <laughs> um, so I call it business design coaching. And, you know, I'm not a trained coach. I don't have a certification. But I guess in many ways I've been advising and coaching people since I was in my teenage years. Um, call me a busybody or call me somebody who could always see opportunities for other people. But I love to be able to help people see what they're capable of and the opportunities they have. Um, And so I started out with my business as a a viable revenue stream. For most people starting a business, it's easier if you can offer a service. And so for me, that was one of the best things that I knew I could do. I'd been coaching a few people around social media and strategy, and then people started asking me if I did business coaching, and I was like, hmm... Well, if enough people are asking, I'll put it out there. Um, and that's pretty much how it's acted to this very day. I, I don't advertise it very often at all. You couldn't even find it on my site for a while, but people people who really want to work with me tend to find it. And I have just just the right amount of perfect clients that I work with on a regular basis for usually up to three months. And we, there is a sort of a formula that I follow, but every single person is unique. So I really help them getting clarity around their business, their brand, Um, how they're promoting themselves, their sales funnel, so how they're leading people on a journey to buy their products and services, and just how best to streamline their business so they can also enjoy their life. And I really just dig into the areas that they have identified as challenges. And I love it because every single person has a different need, but fundamentally the same issues and challenges come up all the time. A lot of it is mindset. A lot of it is limiting beliefs and just needing some guidance and accountability to actually take action.
0: Have you, um, have you found that when dealing with people with limiting beliefs, I, I actually had an interview with Andrew Warner and we, we dug really deeply into limiting beliefs, particularly mine on camera. And it was uncomfortable, but, uh, it was good. <laughs> it was good. But, um, yeah, you'll, I'll have to, you'll have to see that one. Cause it was interesting. Do you think that people use that sometimes as an excuse when they when they understand that they have limiting beliefs, never actually get it done?
1: Yeah, I think that it's a, such an interesting thing, isn't it? I mean, there's yeah, it definitely comes down to limiting beliefs, sometimes laziness, but most of the time, this ability to just not see what they're capable of. And it's easier to make an excuse as to why they can't do something than it is to go ahead and just see if they can do it and fail or succeed. It's a tough one, though, because we all have them. And as you said, until you start facing them, um, you don't often know how deep they go or how much they affect you, but for me, it's you know I call it facing your fears. Often quieting that voice in your mind that tells you you're not good enough, you're not expert enough, you can't do this, and pretty much taking action and pushing through it every single time seems to be the way to go for me, um, because otherwise you're just stopping your life due to these fears that actually aren't real. How, you know
0: what, what type of things would you tell people to um, to do as far as being able to push past some of those those mindset issues? Cause I mean, it, it can be for an entrepreneur, a a minute to minute ride. And I've gone through it, go through it all the time where it's like, Oh man, I really need to get this done. And you, you sit down and you actually start doing it. And then all of a sudden you hit this wall and it's like, Oh, nobody's going to buy this <laughs> or no one's going to listen to this and stuff like that. How do you push past it?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question actually. I mean, how do any of us push past it? Um, uh, I tend to uh, surround myself with really great people. I'm a member of a couple of masterminds and I also run my own mastermind. And I feel at times when you're feeling a little bit lost or contrarian or just, A little on the edge, it's so great to just reach out to people who have been there, done that, experienced it. They can just talk you down. They can give you the support you need. They can make you realize you're not crazy, and it's totally natural. And having those like-minded entrepreneurs around you is invaluable. Another thing I do is I love turning to things like TED um, and watch an inspiring TED talk uh, that somebody, you know, a completely different area of the world or industry or whatever to me, just take me out of my own head for a bit and make me focus back in on what's really important. And failing that, I just love, like, a good... Comedy or some stupid fun video That just makes me realize to lighten the right. heck up And realize it's not so serious after all
0: When you um, when you talk about Doing TED Talks and stuff, have you ever done A TED Talk? Have you been asked yet? Are you? Th- you I'm
1: waiting, I'm I'm hoping to be uh, Chosen for some, I've, uh, I've just Been trying to figure out which ones I'm going to be in Town for and which ones have the right themes But it's on my bucket list, I would Absolutely love to speak at TEDx
0: Yeah, I mean you'd be awesome for that, just The stuff that you Thanks. do now, I can't imagine actually um traveling and keeping organized because I have a hard enough time doing it and I'm at home (laughs) all the time (laughs) it's like wait a minute I have a hard enough time putting stuff together at home I cannot imagine being organized enough to actually do this and do it with any amount of quality being on the road but now you you've been at uh, in New Zealand now for what a past the uh, past month
1: yeah on and off I also was over in Melbourne Australia so I've I've had sort of to maybe about five or so weeks back in New Zealand with some trips in various places
0: mm-hmm. you're slowing down this year, I think I heard you say uh
1: that's the plan. <laughs>
0: So now what's slowing down for you? What does that mean?
1: Well, it was meant to be actually having three to four months in one country and then three to four months in another and three to four months. So normally I've just been traveling the whole time. But as it happens, I'm going to 10 countries this year in the first six or seven months. So not quite as slow as I thought, but it is on the agenda for 2015.
0: So now, what's your uh, what's what's the thing that keeps you the busiest? Which business is it that keeps you the business? Because you you've got the uh, Secret Entrepreneur book that you just launched, and I've got that on my uh, on my iPad on my whatever app that is. I think the Kindle app. I'm waiting for the audio book to come out so I can actually really dig into it. Which I understand you're recording right now.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, <laughs> you're onto it. I um, is that one of my main things? I guess what the book has done has just really given me a much bigger platform and community to to spread the message through, and uh, it's just. It was just something I wanted to do since I was a kid. So personally, I feel really proud that I managed to write a book and not only publish it, but also, you know, it became the number one bestseller on Amazon, which is fantastic. In many ways, there's still so many places that I'd love to get it out into. I'm not so bothered about seeing it in bookshops because you're there fleetingly, but I just love to get it internationally translated and into the hands of many people. So that's just an ongoing thing. And from that comes media opportunities, speaking opportunities, and just a, a much, much wider audience and community. Right. Yeah. And, you know, books are not a huge money maker, although actually I've made a decent amount of profit from this now because I self-publish, so you get 70% as opposed to 8%. Um, but for me, it's, it's really like a very fancy business card to have in your hand and, and provides you with a lot of credibility and just those other opportunities. And all the fact that it's impacted, you know, thousands of people, around the world who've written in or emailed or just messaged me with how much they love the book or what they did since reading it, etc. So that's, that's what drives everything.
0: Right. As you often do, um, you kind of take a different route to do things and just the sheer way that you've built your business and being a traveling digital nomad, you actually went a different way about doing your book. You did a Kickstarter campaign.
1: Yeah, I did indeed. And I just felt that I, you know, I, wasn't that I necessarily needed the funds, although publishing a book can be pretty pricey after you factor in everything, Um, like, you know, website and editing and proofing and the actual marketing plan. Um, But I just really wanted to use Kickstarter to get a community behind it and make sure that it was something that people valued and wanted me to write. So it wasn't so much about the book, but it was about the message that I think everybody has the right to choose freedom. Mm-hmm. And so it was a bit of a risk and, you know, a scary thing to do at the time, but I was so excited, you know, over 200 people backed it and I surpassed my fundraising goal, got 121%. And that to me was just proof that this was important and it should be written. And the other thing that came out of it, which was amazing, was You know, now I had 200 people dedicated to seeing this book through, and they'd support me, and they gave me, you know, ideas around content that I could put in. Like, I pretty much had it set in terms of the chapters, but then when I put it out there and I said, this is what I'm going to include, what else do you want to see in it? They were just bang on with basically validating everything that I wanted to include. And also um, during the time I was putting out the cover, they commented on that, um, you know, just things about sneak peeks of the book. And they really just were like this guiding counsel. And for people who were part of the Kickstarter, they've said to me when they met me in person, they felt like they helped me write the book in some way, which is a pretty special thing to think that somebody thinks that they've, you know, a little piece of them is in your book. And when it came time to um, promoting it and publishing it, it was like 200 people behind, you know, I already had this inbuilt audience, which was invaluable marketing it and sharing it on my behalf and excited about it. And so the buzz, that entire buzz from the Kickstarter right through to launching, I think was actually probably what helped so much because people were just ready for it by then. They're like, oh, you've talked about it for so long. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it worked really, really well. I think when you use Kickstarters or crowdfunding campaigns, right? And I've written a book about how to use it crowdfunding campaign to launch your dream idea. I think they're incredible tools. Oh, I did not know about that one. Yeah, I. Uh, it's called um, How to Crowdfund Your Dream Idea on Kickstarter. And uh, it's really just about kind of the elements of what makes a successful Kickstarter, uh, what you need to do, what you need to consider, how you can plan for it, the whole structure of it. And it's been really popular, actually, because I think it's this is an area that people are learning more and more about and using better and better to launch things.
0: No, very nice. I'll have to link to that one in the show notes for sure. And is that out there on Amazon?
1: It's actually on Amazon, but it's also on my site. So yeah, they can get it in two places.
0: Okay, well, very cool. Yeah, I did not know about that. That's interesting. So now, I mean you're you're so hard to categorize and like put in this neat little box. And everyone else that I've talked to so far, I kind of know exactly what they do. With you, you you come across to me, you're like the female Anthony Bourdain, except for your you don't talk about food all the time. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna to have to go and look him up now. Now I feel so bad that I don't know the sense. Okay. Anthony oh, oh, Bourdain. Yeah, yeah. Awesome.
0: he's a um he's a food network uh or he used to be food yeah. network. He's like a celebrity chef. He's got a show on CNN now. He was on the um either travel or the food channel and he just travels from country to country. Sampling food and all that kinds of good stuff.
1: Oh, nice. Well, nice I'd stuff. be happy to be him as well, but. <laughs> all right, right.
0: Now, when you put out a digital product, when you launch products, because I've heard you say that you really like launching things. I know that that's one of the, the more popular things to do now, along with actually starting a podcast. So, what what advice would you give someone to actually try to figure out, you know, what the heck they want to do and then how to actually launch it?
1: Oh, so such a good question. I I'd shot a series of videos on this for this very reason, and I've run a program about it before, because launching is something else, man. Like, I really enjoy it now. but. When you first start, it is one of the most difficult, challenging, overwhelming, stressful things ever um, because there's so many moving parts. So I am a big, big fan these days of the kind of lean startup method where you just put something out and you you pre, well, this isn't part of his method, but it's all about small, fast improvements. So putting something out there, tweaking it, improving it making it better as you go, not with this fully perfect product at the very beginning. Because why I say that is if you try and launch something perfect from the beginning, you actually never end up launching it. You're always pulling um, pulling it apart or seeing faults in it or not thinking it's good enough. And that's kind of turns into perfectionism, which is another form of procrastination. So I'm a big fan these days of pre-selling where I say, here's exactly what you've been asking for. And here's what I've put together. If you like it, Grab it now and you'll receive it in, you know, two weeks, four weeks, whatever. I've I've already done work on the launch of it, but essentially I want people to lay down some money and invest in it first so that I know it is what they want and I have created something really valuable. And it's a far cry from the day when I used to try and produce everything in the front and then go out and try and market the heck out of it. Um, and it's just so much better. It's a better use of your time. You get investment from people. They get to shape the product or program or service. And you know that you've already got some capital to start on it, and it's worthwhile investing more and making it as good as possible.
0: Right. So regardless of the idea, basically you validated that you've got something that people are really going to enjoy, that they want to invest in, and that you're not wasting your time putting together your good ideas which don't resonate with anybody. Exactly. I've been listening to a bunch of stuff that you've done over the past, I don't know, a couple of weeks trying to prepare for the interview. And it's it's interesting when people talk to you about, you know, what you do in your income streams and the fact that, I mean, you're basically a six-figure digital nomad and how you actually do it. When it, when it comes to time management, how do you handle traveling and dealing with, day-to-day things that have to happen in your business, like email scheduling and everything else.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's a work in progress, but I found out um, probably a little bit too late, but at least a year and a half, two years ago, that the only way you can get freedom is to be disciplined. So I used to be a bit more of a free spirit. I'll do this here. I'll do that there. Um, And now I'm much more disciplined. Like if I know I'm going to be traveling somewhere, I use that traveling time, the downtime on planes, the downtime in airports, on buses, on trains. I can even work in cars. It's pretty handy. And I use that offline time most of the time, actually for writing and content planning and um just working through those kind of things and then i use my online time for scheduling out around social media promotions sharing information connecting with people interviews coaching etc so it's just a matter of getting really clear on how you want your days to look and how you want your business and life to merge and i've run this for long enough now that i know i don't try and do launches when i'm off traveling for ages and i have done in the past and it's pretty pretty time consuming and hard to do and technology failures can really play havoc. So I tend to try and launch things or create things when I'm in a place for a wee while, whether that's one month or two months. Um, and then I tend to schedule out other stuff. when I know I'm going to have a busy travel period and not put in interviews or get new coaching clients, etc. cetera. Um, and just try to be mindful of my time versus what I'm putting out and where are my energy is best spent to get the best bang for the buck and reach the most people and make an impact.
0: Right now, now when you travel, do you do meetups at all?
1: I do, yeah. In fact, uh, in 2012, I did a bunch. And uh, I started one off in Melbourne, which was really cool. I did one in South Africa. I did one in Amsterdam, a couple in the U.S. And it was really cool, actually, um, to, to meet my community. And now I tend to do that by way of workshops. So this year, I've really smartened up and I'm running a series a world tour of BYOB build your online business workshop so whichever main city I'm going to if I'm there for an extended time I'm actually running a workshop there a full-day workshop and they've been so well received I'm doing one in Auckland this week I did one sell out one in Melbourne last month I'm gonna potentially do one in Tokyo I have no idea about the market in Tokyo and I'm not sure about that one because different over there. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens. I'm holding one in London. I've already got bookings for that one in the U S and one in Canada. So I, I just decided to smarten up a little and use the fact that I'm traveling to actually reach my community where they are, especially nowadays, because I have people, um, that, you know, are in all these different parts of the world in my community.
0: Right. Yeah. You'll have to let me know when you come to the U.S. I definitely would love to, uh, talk with you then. For sure. So you know, I kind of wanted to end on on this tor- sort of note. I've been talking to quite a few female entrepreneurs. And one of the challenges that I think I've run into, at least when dealing with female entrepreneurs, is you know, how do you find your voice just as a female entrepreneur, and how do you how do you not give away your power to be able to do things?
1: Yeah, really good point. This is a, a bit of a bone of contention for me as well. I'm so glad you've been interviewing women. I, you know, I totally appreciate. I can't speak. I totally appreciate men and women, and I have a lot of great male entrepreneur friends in my life and a ton of women friends, and we do business differently and we approach things differently. Um, and I must admit, from time to time, I do get frustrated with the boys' club, which goes on a lot in the Online and internet marketing world, um, right, right. where you just see guys supporting guys, and they're all like, "Bro and this and that." And I'm just like, "Oh, really?" And because <laughs> I'm actually a bit of a guy, like I like to hang with the guys, I love to talk about sport. I'm, you know, I'm sometimes more a, a guy than a girl, and uh, and it frustrates me that there's this kind of club that goes on, and I sometimes think they're just. Uh, you know, not quite entirely sure how to receive women into that. This is complete generalization. I've done a lot of study on this over the years. And um, I see that guys tend to, you know, women tend to support each other very well um, by way of communication and and helping each other and sharing. But guys tend to propel each other along more, I think, with the masterminding and elements like that. And I'd love to see more of that coming through with mixed genders in there. And I'd love to see more men interviewing women on podcasts like you're doing and I get really sick and tired of seeing articles about the top 10 founders of whatever and it's all guys because right. I appreciate there are there are actually more women starting businesses at two to one compared to men but the type of businesses that women start are predominantly 65% of them um, are earning like $50,000 or less a year. Uh, And these are stats that I've known for a long time, it's part of why I do the work that I do. I want women and men to build more profitable businesses that serve them really well and give them their ideal lifestyle. But I do find that men are just better at promoting themselves and doing a better job of saying, hey, I'm really good at X, Y, Z, whereas women are very good at going, everybody's good at these things. Here's some people I know who do these things really well. I do this pretty well, Uh, whereas guys cut to the chase a bit more and they focus in on just one or two avenues. Um, Which you just pointed out before When you see me and you think I'm the sort of jack of all trades So it's it's really interesting To see how we can shift that and change that And take the things that each gender Does really well and apply them to our own lives
0: Yeah, you know, coming up in a, a Single parent household I lost my father very early so my mother raised both me and my sister and you know just the incredible amount of just fortitude she had to have in order to be able to just make it back when we were coming up it, it always is amazing to me that when I'm dealing with women in business that they just don't seem to be able to take it to the next level as much as my gender and it just mm. it, it, it does bother me it bothers me a little bit because it's like there's so many incredible women out there and they do so many incredible things I don't understand why why it's not mentioned more, why it's not talked about more. It is within, you know, the, the networks that women travel in. But outside of that, I just haven't seen a lot of it. And I was just wondering how you deal with that.
1: Yeah, I'm pre- it's, it's an interesting thing. I feel like there's a book in it someday without coming from that feminist angle because that's not my point at all. Um, right. But I, I really admire, as I said, how guys can laser-like focus in on one thing, which means they're not very good at multiple things, but I appreciate their ability to laser-like focus in on one. They and also not. their ability their, their ability to, as I said, actually talk about what they're good at. And I think women could learn a lot more from this um, in saying, you know what, I'm excellent at this, this, and this. We tend to shy away from that a little bit more because we don't want to look like we're a douchebag. Um, (laughs) But nobody else is really going to do that for you. And it was really interesting, Vernon, because when I was doing a speaking in Canada, actually at an entrepreneurship event, and it was like a thousand people, biggest audience I've ever spoken in. And I just loved it and had so much fun up there. And after I did a book signing and I had all these people coming up, which was really cool. And here's how it went every single time. A woman would come up to me and she'd say, "Oh my God, I really love that talk, Natalie. I've been following you for a while. That was really inspiring. You know, all these lovely things about me." And then I'd have to ask, "Well, what is it that you do?" Because I, you know, was signing their book, right? I wanted to make it personal. I was like, "Well, tell me more about you. What do you do?" Right. And they'd they'd come forward with it then, right? And uh, the difference was the guys that come up, they go, Natalie, great speech, really inspiring, really liked it. So I've got this thing and I'm, <laughs> uh, and they go straight away into pitching me or launching into what they did. Right. And it was to- every single time, totally different. And it was like, you had to coax it out of these, the women, um, you know, there was Sam definitely who told me what they did straight off, but in, on the whole, the guys were just straight in there with getting down to not business, but talking about themselves. And uh, I was like, hmm, got to admire that, even though it can be sometimes frustrating.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I um, think it's the so, whole dating thing where guys are, you know, always <laughs> having to go after it or, and getting shot down. So maybe we're just used to it.
1: <laughs> yeah, Maybe. Are you saying we should go down and get dating and get shot down more? That's it. (laughs) We'd become better.
0: (laughs) Flip the script a little bit and just start going after it. Just start going after guys in bars and that'll translate to business, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, my God, that is a horrible note to end on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I, but I think there's a ton of good things about it. And to come back to your original point, how, how I deal with it is by making sure that I'm balanced with a good variety of men and women in my life and and looking at the great things that both are doing and applying them to what I do and, and learning where I'm falling down and learning in other ways that I can help you know other people raise their game
0: well natalie that is actually a better note to end on i know know your time is limited and very valuable so i really do appreciate you coming on the podcast
1: thank you so much for having me and hopefully uh, listeners got a lot out of this even if it went slightly off tangent
0: (laughs) yeah i hope so that's kind of how my podcasts go anyway they go a little off tangent but i think the audience is used to it now so i I definitely (laughs) did enjoy talking to you all the way from melbourne right now right
1: uh, no, Auckland, New Zealand, Melbourne's Auckland, in Australia. Okay, okay. Auckland. <laughs> New See, I'm, I'm just
0: all confused. Yeah, this first time I've ever ever talked to anyone on the podcast from New Zealand, so you know, way to go! Woo-hoo. See,
1: pioneering the way.
0: There you go. <laughs> all right, Natalie. Well, thanks a lot. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, guys. So I thought that that was a great. Interview with Natalie. You know, one of the things that I got from that was you know, with women, you don't need to give away so much of yourself when you're doing business. You actually have to go for it sometimes. But often in business, women will compliment, but they won't necessarily go in for the pitch. And it's not always necessary to go like right in for the pitch. I think women have a really nice balance of being able to give people what it is that they need and the acknowledgement and encouragement. But also on the back end of that, you need to make sure that you're also selling yourself and what it is that you have to offer. So, you know, don't be afraid to pitch a little bit more. That was a really interesting conversation. I hope you guys picked up about, you know, what it is to launch a book and the way that she was able to launch her book on Kickstarter. i have linked to that in the show notes. That I thought that that was really interesting and a very interesting way to do it. You can find out the whole story on the suitcaseentrepreneur.com. Also, I've linked to one of Natalie's videos on the show notes. So definitely make sure to check out the show notes and watch that video and you'll be able to find out a little bit more about Natalie and her business. But she's going to be in the States in August, so definitely look out for her. Also wanted to thank you guys for all of the great reviews, comments, and everything on Stitcher and iTunes. I couldn't thank you guys more for just being involved and really hitting those reviews, but we need more. We actually need more. I've only got um, about 17 on iTunes right now. I'm really trying to get about 50 reviews in so I can stay up there in the top rankings so we can get this show to more people. I really just want to make this the best show possible for you. So also look out for a special surprise I've got coming up for you guys. I'm going to say these two words and it's coming soon, podcast domination. You guys have been asking for it and it's coming. So definitely look out for some links for podcast domination. Was that dramatic enough for you? Anyway, hey guys, I really did enjoy Talking to Natalie. She is great. You can find her out on suitcaseentrepreneur.com. All of her links are there. Sign up for her newsletter. There are some great things in the High Flyers Club that she has. So I encourage you guys to do that and watch some of her YouTube videos. She's got some really good, solid advice for you guys. And with that, guys, I will see you in the next episode.